are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to ask you tonight to take your Bible, if you're there at home, take it and turn to John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. And I want to read several verses that we'll use as our scripture text this evening. And uh, look and see what the Lord has for us. I believe that God has something for us this evening. And I I pray that the Lord will use uh, our time together to speak to our hearts and help us. John chapter number 6 and verse number 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down into the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. Have you ever had that feeling? Looked around in your life, the circumstance, the situation that you were in, and you just felt that it was dark and Jesus hadn't come. But notice the rest of the story. Verse number 18, and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and 20 or 30 furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea. And drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land, whither they went. Our Heavenly Father, as we now look to your word, we pray that you would open our ears that we might hear, open our eyes that we might see, But most of all, open our hearts that we might receive the message that you have for us this evening. Whether we're sitting on a sofa with our family, whether we're sitting uh, perhaps in a motel room somewhere, quarantined, uh, feeling alone and uh, unable to uh, connect with those that we love. Lord, wherever we may be this evening, I pray that you would help us to sense your presence and to hear your voice and to know your will for our life. And then to obey it, we'll thank you for what you do. For we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Amen. The text from which we draw our thoughts for this hour, not unfamiliar to us. And in fact, three of the gospel writers uh, give us uh, the various accounts of this uh, story that we read of in our text. (coughs) For those of you that are interested, you can mark these references down. You can read Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 14 and verses 22 through 33. You can read Mark's record of this event in Mark chapter 6 and verses 45 through 51. And then, of course, we've read this evening John's record of this account. And there are so many truths to be found in this simple story, which really will direct and instruct us in our Christian life. At, and uh, if we'll just give heed, sometimes our, our problem is... You know, we used to say, there, there used to be a lot of sayings that went around. I, I, I say in my class, I'll say, well, you know how the saying goes, and I'll say something, and many of the students sit there and look at me like, uh, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. 
I don't know if that's a sign of their lack of knowledge or a sign of my old age or maybe a combination. Uh, but, you know, we used to say that familiarity breeds contempt. What we mean when we say that, when that saying was made, uh, what a person was indicating, that is, because we become so familiar with something, it loses its value, it loses its importance, it loses its significance. And can I say to you, my fear is that for Christians, many times, uh, accounts that are found in the Word of God, stories that are found in the Word of God, become so familiar to us. We've read them, we've heard them preached, we've heard them uh, by way of song, and they lose their impact. We just, as soon as the song starts or as soon as the preacher reads his text, this thought goes to our mind. Well, I know that story. I've heard that before. And we fail and we miss what God has for us. And tonight I beg of you, let's give heed to what God has to say in his word. For his word is unsearchable. And there is great truth to be found tonight in this passage of scripture. I notice from a careful examination of these three differing accounts that are given of this event, I know that God had a plan for those who followed him. And can I say tonight that God has a plan for you? God has something for your life. God has a will for your life. God has a direction he wants you to go. And it's interesting as we look at God's plan for them, all that it entailed, all that it involved, and I want you to notice tonight with me some things about navigating through God's plan for our life. Could I say, first of all, God's plan involved obedience. That's where it began. In fact, if we were to go back to Mark chapter number six and verse number 45, we read this. Mark gives us this aspect of the story. <coughs> Excuse me, in Mark chapter six and verse number 45, the Bible says, talking of Jesus, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida. You see, really it was God's plan for them. It was God's instruction to them. It was God's direction to them to go down and to get on this boat and to set sail across the sea. I'm sure that as the disciples heard him there must have been doubtless perplexity in their minds. Lord, why are you sending us away? Lord, why won't you let us stay here with you? Lord, why, why do we have to leave? Maybe they looked at one another and said, doesn't he want us around anymore? Is he tired of us? Have we failed too many times? Has, has he given up on us? For some reason, he's telling us to go away to get on board the vessel and to set sail to the other side. And for some reason, God doesn't want us here. Can I just say this tonight? Can I just say this? You don't always and I won't always understand the why of God's plan. Many times God will direct us in certain ways and it'll look perplexing to us. It'll be puzzling to us and, and we'll say, I don't know what God's plan is. I don't know why God's directing me this way. But can I just say for you, the problem is not for us to understand. Our responsibility is just to obey. Just do what God says do. It may not make any sense to you. It may be puzzling to you. You may in fact even feel that somehow God has forsaken you or God has forgotten about you or God is finished with you. But can I say God still has a plan? 
And if you'll just trust him, if you'll just listen, he'll do something with your life. There must have been doubtless perplexity. But can I say, I see as I read this story that there was a divine purpose. Notice in verse number 15 of our text, the Bible says, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king. You see, if if we read all of these accounts, we understand that Jesus has just fed the 5,000. I mean, taking a a couple of loaves and uh, uh, five loaves and two small fishes and uh, He has fed a multitude of people. And now because of what he has done for them, they say, oh man, we want this guy to be our king. We want to set him up. We want to make him our ruler. We want to make him our overseer. After all, who wouldn't want a king that could give you everything that you needed and more besides? And they were literally going to come and take Jesus by force and force him to take the position of king of Israel. And by the way, that was not God's plan. You see, God's plan was a cross and not a crown. God's plan was for him to suffer, not for him to reign at this point in time. And Jesus understood that. And Jesus said, I cannot go outside the plan of God for my life. I can't go outside the will of God for my life. But he understood those who were around him. I mean, there's Peter who is very impetuous. I mean, somebody says something, Peter jumps in with both feet. I mean, he opens his mouth and he's ready to go. Uh, there, there's, there, there's James and John, man. They're guys that are on a, a, a hair trigger. Their temper is about ready to fly off at any moment of any hour of any day. And by the way, uh, there's Judas and he has some ulterior motives. He has some ambitions and he's looking to rise up in this world. And Jesus looks around at these disciples And he says, if I don't do something, perhaps they could get caught up in the heat of the moment. They could get caught up in the emotion of the atmosphere. And they could do something foolish. And they could mess things up. I need to move them aside for just a little while. Again, I say sometimes God has to move us aside because God knows more than we know about a situation. And we just have to trust him. Notice there was doubtless perplexity in their hearts There was a divine purpose that we understand. But could I say also, in their obedience, there was a dangerous peril. Look at verse number 16. And when even was now come, his disciples went down into the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. I can just see them walking away. They're puzzled. They're hurt. They don't understand why he sent them away. And they're walking down to the sea. And I can imagine through their minds are going thoughts like this. Well, he doesn't want us. Here's something we can do. We know all about ships. That's been our business. We know about the sea. That's been the place of our livelihood. We know about sailing. We can take care of this. We can do this. And even if Jesus isn't here, it'll be okay. Oh, can I say, never forget, no matter what happens, that you need the Lord. You may have experience, you may have knowledge, you may have talent, you may have ability, but can I say, without Christ, it's all to no avail. Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter three to have no confidence in the flesh. 
The psalmist said it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And they're gonna understand in short order how dangerous of a peril this is to put confidence in their own flesh. And as they set sail, they looked around and they said, we've got it all under control. Everything's gonna be all right. And so God's plan for them involved obedience. But notice in following God's plan for them, they incurred obstacles. Look at verse number 17, and it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them, and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. Now I want you to get a hold of this, this is very important. In the center of the perfect will of God for their life, they ran smack dab into a storm. Can I say a lot of times we think if I'm doing the will of God, if I'm in the will of God, it's gonna be smooth sailing. If I'm just obeying God, if I'm following God, then, then it's gonna be an easy road. But can I say to you, this story proves contrary. They were exactly where God told them to be. They were doing exactly what God told them to do. And despite their obedience, despite their submission to the plan of God, they ran right into the middle of a storm in their life. And can I say, dear friend, do not think that just because you're obeying God, just because you're doing the will of God, that there will be no storms in your life. The storms are going to come. That was the mistake that Job's friends made. Job's friends thought all of these calamities have fallen upon Job. All of these disasters have come. And it must be because somehow Job is not right with God. And that was not it whatsoever. Can I say be careful about judging other people's lives? You don't know what God is doing. I don't know what God is doing. I have trouble enough keeping my own life straight, much less trying to figure out what God's plan is and why God sent this in someone else's life. Let God deal with them and let them deal with God. And you and I take care of our own life. Notice the tempest that overtook them. The sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. Matthew tells us in his account in chapter 14 and verse number 24 that they were tossed with the waves. This storm came upon them in the midst of being in the center of God's will. But could I say this to you? Remember Nahum chapter one and verse number three? The prophet tells us and reminds us that the Lord has his way in the storm. You see, the storms are under his control. You know, there are a lot of good things that come from storms. Have you ever thought about that? We always think of a storm as a negative thing, as a bad thing, as something to be avoided, but really there are some benefits to storms. You know, storms remove a lot of things. A storm will come through and the branches in the tree that are dead will be blown down. Uh, things that are diseased, they may have looked healthy at the moment, but when the storm came, uh, the weakness that they had was revealed by that storm and now you can take away that which is disease because the storm has made you understand what the true condition is. Storms remove, storms reveal. But can I say this, storms regenerate. The wind comes along and it picks up the seed and it blows it and it carries it to a distant place where perhaps that seed would have never found its way and it drops it there and that seed can germinate and new life can come in an area that once had no life. Why? Because a storm came in the life of someone else. Could I just say this? 
We're in the midst of a storm right now. In some sense, our lives have been turned upside down. Our schedules have been messed up. Our plans, our, our goals, uh, what we thought was under control has just been turned inside out. But can I say this storm is gonna reveal some things. It's gonna reveal who's strong and who's weak. This storm is gonna remove some things. It's gonna remove some dead weight from some churches and they're gonna be able to go forward and do more for God because the storm removes some things that were hindering them. Could I just say this storm is a great opportunity for regeneration? Mom and dad, your children are watching you as you go through this storm. And if they see a mother and a dad that can have confidence in God and can trust in God, though your job may be gone, though your work may be shut down, though maybe you don't have an income, there's a time of difficulty, a time of danger. But can I say that some young person will be watching you and they'll say, I see what you're doing. I see that you can trust God and that's gonna germinate a seed of faith in their heart. And when the storm comes in their life in days to come, they too can trust in God. I remember when I was just a boy, that was a long time ago. I, re I remember as a little boy, we moved from the farm. <coughs> I grew up on a farm out in the country. I, I'm so ancient, I remember when we got our indoor uh, bathroom. And that was a great step up in life. Uh, but uh, uh, we moved into town. There were some problems that came. My grandfather uh, grew sick and we had to sell the farm and we moved into town and we moved in an area of town called Scuffletown. That's how wealthy we were, how rich we were. And uh, we built a house and, and uh, put in a septic system and uh, it was not a good plan because most of the ground was clay and that doesn't drain very well. And you know, that's important for a septic system, but that's all we could afford. There was no town sewer at that time. And several years passed and uh, they, they had advanced in our community and uh, they put the city sewer through. And one morning I remember we got up and as we always did in our family and uh, my brother got in the shower and uh, the water in the shower drain started running the wrong way. Instead of going out, it was coming in. That's not a good plan. And uh, he was jumping around trying to fly and flap his wings in the shower and not get what was coming out of the shower on him. You're supposed to get clean, not get dirty in the shower. And, and so uh, come to find out, had a fella come out and inspect and look. And he said, you know, this septic system is just absolutely worthless. It's, it's, you're going to have to connect up to the, the city sewer. That's the only option. And my dad said, well, how much is that going to cost? And he said, it's going to cost $1,000. That tells you how long ago it was. And uh, that, that was an insurmountable number, $1,000. How could you ever come up with $1,000? I mean, we were doing good just to make ends meet. How could you make $1,000? And I'll never forget that morning we sat around the breakfast table like we always did. We read our Bible. We quoted a few memory verses. My dad said, now... The man has said it's going to cost us $1,000 to connect up the sewer. So let's pray that God will give us $1,000. No, I'm sorry. It was $900. I remember the number 1000 But it's $900 connect up to the sewer. He said, let's pray that God will give us $900. Well, just because we were kids and just because our dad had faith, we figured that if we prayed, God would give it. 
And so I remember listening to the prayers and we all prayed, God, give us $900 to connect up to the sewer. Because we were going next door to take showers. That's not convenient, you know. Next door to the bathroom. Thankfully, next door was my grandparents' house. So that made it a little less bad. But still not convenient. And that evening, my dad came home from work and sat down at the table. And he said, well, kids, he said, what did we pray for this morning? He said, well, we prayed for $900 so we could neck up to the sewer. And my dad said, well, he said, I went in. And he said, I went to work today and said, for some reason, my boss came and knocked on my door. He said, my boss walked in and he said, uh, he said, John, he said, you've been doing a good job for us. We really impressed. And we just want to let you know how much we appreciate your work. And he said, he handed me this envelope. And in this envelope, I opened it up and there is a check. Does anybody want to guess how much this check is for? Man, every hand at that table shot up. It's $900. And my dad said, no, you're wrong. We said, what? We prayed for $900. God didn't give us $900. He said, no, the check is not for $900. He said, the check is for $1,000. We're like, wow, man, that's great because we can go shopping now, right? He said, no, you see, God understands and God knows that we have to tithe. And so after we tithe off of $1,000, now we have $900 just like we asked for. Can I say, you know what that does? That storm that came in the life of our family. It was an opportunity for a seed of faith to be blown and to be germinated in the heart of a boy who was sitting there at the breakfast table watching his father as he went through the storm. And can I say, mom and dad, there's some young people who are watching you. You may not be aware of it. They may not even be aware of it. But God is looking for an opportunity to plant a seed in their heart and their life that they will remember from this day forward. Can I say, there is a storm that comes in their life. The tempest overtakes them. But then notice, not only the tempest that overtook them, but I want you to notice the terror that overwhelmed them. Look at our text again. The Bible says in verse 19, so when they had rowed about five, 20 or 30 furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea, drawing nigh to the ship, and they were afraid. Can I say it's easy to be overwhelmed by fear in the midst of the storm? It's just a natural response because of the uncertainty of the situation, because perhaps you've never been in a storm like this before. This is something new, this is something unique, and, and there is great danger, and there is an easy sense for us to be overwhelmed by fear and allow terror to take over our life. But could I just say this? Here's two verses you ought to make a note of. You ought to write them down. You ought to memorize them. Psalm 56 in verse number three. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Can I say that ought to be a verse that you have memorized, that you have buried deep in your heart? Because I promise you that fear is very natural. Fear is going to come. In fact, someone said there are 366 times in the Bible that we find the word fear. And that is the fact that fear is there every day of our life. Even on leap year, there's a fear for the extra day. 366 times there's fear. And every day you're going to have to face fear. But likewise, 52 times you'll find the phrase fear not. 
Every week you can get up on Monday morning, you can say, this week I'm gonna fear not because God is in control. I'm gonna fear not because I'm gonna believe God. I'm gonna fear not because I have the promises of God. I'm gonna fear not because I know that God is watching over me. Can I say to you this evening, we have to understand that when we're afraid, that's the time we turn to God and we trust in him. Second verse you ought to remember is Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus said unto them, have faith in God. Can I just say this? Fear and faith cannot abide in the same heart. You will either have fear and fear will dominate or you will have faith and faith will dominate. But fear will crowd out faith or faith will crowd out fear. And you can make the choice which one you want to rule in your heart and your life. You say, how can you say that? How, how can you say that? Well, notice not just the tempest that overtook them, not just the terror that overwhelmed them, but oh, I see the tenderness that overshadowed them. If we go again back to Mark chapter six, verse number uh, 48, the Bible says this of Jesus, and he saw them toiling and rowing. Can I say to you, that though the Lord was unseen, he was not unseen. They could not see him, but he saw them. I, I, I'm reminded of what Job said. Remember over in the book of Job, chapter number 25 or 23, Job chapter 23. Job said in verse number eight, behold, I go forward, but he is not there and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Job said, I've looked for him. I've looked in front of me. I've looked behind me. I've looked on the right hand. I've looked on the left hand. I can't find God anywhere. I can't see God anywhere. But he knoweth the way that I take. Can I say, you may not know where God's at, but I promise you that God knows where you're at. He's got his eye on you. He is watching. He is waiting he is willing to help. And when the storm comes and it's dark and it seems like Jesus is not there, just be patient, just wait, just look around because standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He'll be there to see you through. You see this plan for their, them involved obedience. In doing this plan for their life, they incurred obstacles. But can I say his plan for them included the other side. Look at verse number 20. He saith unto them, it is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. I noticed the speaking Savior. He said, it is I. Uh, you know, I, I have trouble sometimes sleeping at night. I never have trouble going to sleep. My wife says that I can turn out the light and I can be asleep before it's dark. The problem is if I ever wake up in the middle of the night, I can never go back to sleep. I just toss and turn and until I get tired of tossing and turning, then I just get up and go on my way. And so uh, if you go to sleep at night and you have trouble, to, trouble going to sleep, there are three different positions that you can get in. You can take a pillow and you can turn and perhaps uh, lay your head this way on the pillow and maybe get some comfort. If that doesn't work, you can turn over on the other side and lay your head on the pillow this way and get some comfort. If that doesn't work, maybe just lay on your back 
and put the pillow under the back of your head and lay there. Now, I would not advise you to try to lay on your face in the pillow. So there's really only three safe ways to sleep. You can sleep on your right side, on your left side, or on your back. Do you know that God gives us three pillows to rest our head on in a time of trouble, a time of fear? Here we find one of them. Jesus said, it is I. You can rest in his presence. He's always there. You see, at Bethlehem, there was God with us. At Calvary, there was God for us. But because of Pentecost, we have God in us. And he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. In fact, that promise in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number five is the only promise I found in the Bible that you can read frontwards and backwards and it still makes sense. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Thee forsake nor thee leave, never will I. God said, sometimes you're gonna get so confused, you don't know if you're coming or going, but I just want you to know that coming or going, I'm with you all the way. And I'm with you, I'm never gonna leave you, I'm never gonna forsake you, I'm gonna be there. And you can always take comfort in knowing his presence. It is I, he will be there. By the way, he also said, it is written. Another little three word statement. And you can rest on his promises. God's word is true. You can take it to the bank. As Joshua said, not one good thing failed of all that, the God, that God had promised to us. And God has never failed to keep his word. And you can depend on the word of God. And then, of course, he said it is finished and you can rest in his pardon. You don't have to worry about the future. If you know Christ is your savior, that was all taken care of at Calvary. And you can rest assured that no matter what happens, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and you are on your way to heaven. Well, the speaking Savior in the storm, could I just encourage you to look to his word? You'll find comfort, you'll find help, and you'll find peace in the midst of the storm. When he spoke, notice the delighted disciples, they willingly received him into the ship. And then the anticipated arrival, and immediately the ship was at the land whether they went. Can I say to you, this was God's plan all along. You remember back in Mark chapter six and verse number 45 when we read and we talked about how God's plan for them involved obedience. Remember what God's plan was? He constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side. See, that was God's plan all along. God's plan was not for them to get in the middle of the sea and sink. God's plan was to make it all the way to the other side. And can I say God's plan for you and me in these stormy days is to make it to the other side. The other side of the storm will we'll come out in the daylight. You just hold on. You just keep trusting God. You just keep listening to his word. You just keep depending on him. And we'll sail through this storm with Christ in the vessel. And we can smile at the storm as we go sailing on. But by the way, not just the other side of the storm. One day we're going to reach the other side of life's journey. And once we arrive on that shore, there'll be no more storms. There'll be no more heartaches. There'll be no more fear. There'll be no more tears. It will be wonderful when we make it to the other side. I thought of this great song. We don't sing it much anymore. You know, and sometimes I think that some of the best songs fall by the wayside. And maybe sometimes God sends a storm along to remind us of some things that we used to think about, we used to have in our mind. 
And I thought of this song. Someday life's journey will be o'er and I shall reach that distant shore. I'll sing while entering heaven's door. Jesus led me all the way. If God should let me there review the winding paths of earth I knew, it would be proven clear and true. Jesus led me all the way. Jesus led me all the way. Led me step by step each day. I will tell the saints and angels as I lay my burden down. Jesus led me all the way. Can I say in this season, God's path has led us into a storm. Oh, but we're not there alone. We have his word. We have his presence. And we know that we're going to make it through to the other side. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.